You're listening to Sunday Worship at Weddington Methodist Church. Find more ways to worship, fellowship, serve, study, and be supported at WeddingtonChurch.org. I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the Gospel according to Mark, Mark chapter 1. We'll begin at verse 40, Mark chapter 1. Beginning at verse 40, where Mark writes, A leper came to him, begging him. And kneeling, he said to him, If you choose, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I do choose. Be made clean. Immediately, The leprosy left him, and he was made clean. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for this privilege now of studying it together. And God, as I stand before these, your people, this is your church. So I pray that this will be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I imagine they stepped back when they gave him the news. It's leprosy. You have leprosy. Those were those dreaded words. I imagine this gentleman knew when he went to be checked out, when he went to get it verified, this was the possibility. He had seen the spots. He knew this was the possibility. But when you hear those words said out loud, It's like a gut punch. His life changed with those words. It meant that he would be banished from his family because leprosy was believed to be so contagious. And the sad thing in biblical times, so many different skin ailments were misdiagnosed as leprosy. But once you had the diagnosis, you could not go home. You could not give your family a hug goodbye. It was a wave from a distance. Life changed. And according to the Scriptures, only a divine miracle could really cure leprosy, and then you had to be declared clean by the priest. It was a horrible thing. No wonder then we're told that he comes begging Jesus. We don't know, was he married? Did he have children? Did he have a family? What was his life like? We do know, however, his life felt like it was over. Leprosy. And so somehow he had heard about Jesus. Sometimes the lepers would try to watch the world go by. They would try to watch other people living their lives. They would hear as people walked by. The law did say they always had to be downwind from somebody. It was against the law to allow the wind go across a leper and then touch somebody else. It was difficult, but somehow, somehow he had heard about Jesus. And he came to Jesus begging, you're my only hope. This is my one shot, my one chance to be normal again, to go home again, to be with my family again. And he comes in in desperation. He kneels down before Jesus and he says to him, if you choose, if you choose, 
You can make me clean. He has faith. It's a combination here of faith and desperation. If you choose, you can make me clean. And Jesus, we're told, was moved with compassion. As a matter of fact, Jesus stretches out his hand to the leper. I wonder if the leper flinched a little bit. I wonder if the leper drew back just for a moment because it, it may have been a long time since he had been touched. And he knew, if you touch me, Jesus, you'll be considered unclean too. Do you really want to touch me? They could banish you. Do you really want to touch me? And Jesus touched him. And he said to him, I do choose. I do choose. So be made clean. And immediately, Mark tells us, the leprosy left him. Not gradually, this should get better over the next few days. Immediately, the leprosy left him. He was made clean. Jesus touched him. Now what's interesting too when we read the scripture is Jesus did not have to touch him. He could have healed this man and not touched him at all. If you turn over in your Bibles to Luke chapter 7, for example, you see the story about the centurion. That's a Roman officer that's over at least a hundred soldiers. The centurion had a servant that was ill. You may remember the story. And he comes up to Jesus and asks Jesus to heal his servant. Jesus implies, I'll go with you. And the centurion says, you don't have to come to my house. You don't have to go anywhere. I am an officer in the army. I can say to my soldiers, do this, and they will do it. And you, Jesus, are a man of authority. All you have to do is say the word, and my servant will be healed. And when the centurion arrives home, he finds that indeed the servant had been healed by Jesus' word. Jesus could have just healed this leper by going, be made clean from a distance. But Jesus chose to close the gap. Jesus chose to touch him. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at Gary Chapman's book, The Five Love Languages. And as always, you're welcome to go back if you've missed one of those and go to the church's website or on the app. You can access both the worship service or from the podcast, just listen to the sermon and catch up. But Gary Chapman wrote this book years ago saying that there are five primary love languages. We typically like all five. But for most of us, there is one love language that will stand out more to us. Love languages such as words of affirmation. I love you. I'm proud of you. You're amazing. You're a wonderful wife, wonderful husband, wonderful mother, wonderful father, whatever it may be. For some people, words of affirmation will take them and touch their heart. For other people, it's gifts. Gifts do not always have to be expensive. They can be, but they don't have to be because with gifts, it really is the thought that counts. Gifts says that even when I'm not with you, I was thinking about you and I got this for you. For others, it's quality time, sharing life together, not simply being in proximity. We're on the same acre of land. We were working on projects together, but not really around each other. Quality time is undivided attention 
with the person that you love. For some people, if someone will spend quality time with them, it means the world. For others, it's acts of service. If you love me, show me. If you love me, help me. For some people, just those, those little acts of things that says, I thought you might, this might be helpful to you and I wanted to do this for you, means the world. And then there's touch. Today we conclude our five love languages with touch. You see, each of us have a different language that means something to us, and it's important whether it's a relationship with our spouses or someone that we, we love in a couple-type relationship, our children. Our children have different love languages. Teenagers have different love languages. And what I have appreciated as we've done this together over the last few weeks is that God loves us with these different languages, and we have the opportunity to love God as well with these different languages. Now, I will go ahead and confess to you, last week I shared that my wife's love language was acts of service. Mine is touch. I love to get a hug from my family. So when I come home, I love it when my wife gives me a hug. When our daughter comes home, our son comes home, they will often come over and, and, and give us a hug. And, and that means the world to me. And when I am sick, if I'm not feeling well, like when I had the kidney stone procedure right after Christmas and there were some complications, as you may know, and when I'm there and I'm not feeling well, if my wife sits beside of me and just lays her hand on my arm, I know she's there. I know I'm not alone. I'm no, I know that I can relax now because if anything were to happen, there's someone here who loves me and I will totally relax when someone is close enough that I can feel their presence. When she is close enough that I know she's there. Touch is an important part of human life. We know that with infants. When a child is born, for example, we know that if they're held then immediately by their mother, it, it, it helps the child. It even helps the mother and the father. And we also know that children who have not had a lot of contact where nobody seemed to hold and embrace them and, and, and cherish them, that they can have struggles in life. Studies have also shown as well that if someone's having a PET scan and someone's holding their hand, the brain will actually quiet a little, especially if it's someone that they know, if it's a loved one, there's something about knowing someone is so close, I can feel their presence. And when we go through life without that, for some of us, it leads to anxiety. It leads to depression. There are all kinds of studies. We've seen the effects, for example, with COVID. COVID has really had an impact on so many people, especially those who love language, is touch. Because we were afraid to even be in proximity with one another. We, we couldn't even see each other's faces, much less experience touch. For so many people, it was difficult. Now, you have a God who understands the goal and the need for touch. 
As a matter of fact, when we tell the story of Christmas, we actually talk about the incarnation, which is, means that God in the flesh, that, that Jesus being here among us is God taking on human form so he could experience everything that we experience, so he could relate to everything that, that we go through in our lives to touch and to be touched, to be close enough that we feel God's presence. I, I love the story we just shared with the leper because Jesus knew this man needs touch. There's another scripture that I love. I, I often share with our preschool and with our academy and our children's ministries. There's only two places in the Bible where Jesus really gets angry. One was when he was cleansing the temple. But the other one is in Mark chapter 10. And when you read Mark chapter 10, it's the story where people were bringing their children to Jesus so that he could touch them, so he could be able to bless them. Notice the scripture, Mark 10, verse 13. People were bringing their little children to him, meaning Jesus, in order that he might touch them. Will you bless my child? And the disciples spoke sternly to them. But when Jesus saw this, catch this, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not stop them, for it's to such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. Truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and he blessed them. And another example is the wonderful story of the transfiguration. Remember when Jesus took Peter, James, and John, goes up onto the mountain. He had just shared that he would be going to Jerusalem. He had just shared that he would be dying on the cross. And, and they were confused. They go up on this mountain. And all of a sudden, Jesus begins to change. His face began to glow. His, his clothes became dazzling white. Moses and Elijah appear, you know the story. All of a sudden the heavens open, the voice of God says, you are my son with whom I'm well pleased. This is my son to the disciples with whom I'm well pleased. And the disciples are terrified, we hear in Matthew chapter 17. They're absolutely terrified. And Matthew 17 verse 7 says, and Jesus came and touched them and said, get up and do not be afraid. It's sometimes a, a calming thing. When I'm afraid, hold my hand. When I'm afraid, just being close enough to you where I can feel your presence. Now the church has often done things and had rituals or things that we do symbolic of the presence of God, the touch of God. Because the church is the body of Christ, so we act in the name of and on behalf of Jesus Christ. One of my favorite stories I'm studying with our disciple class, the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, I love when Paul has his conversion experience, and then God calls a man by the name of Ananias, and he says to Ananias in Acts chapter 9, verse 12, Go find this man named Saul, Saul of Tarsus, and I want you to lay hands on him for he has had this experience. I want you to touch him. And, and I love Ananias because Paul was the one, or Saul at the time, who had been persecuting the church. Christians were terrified of Saul. And Ananias is going, <laughs> uh, God, I know you know what you're doing, but seriously? 
Saul, you want me to go see Saul and get close enough I can actually touch him? But if you go down to Acts chapter 9, verse 17, you hear these words. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Brother Saul, from I am terrified of this man, he is a murderer a persecutor of the church, Brother Saul. Or at an ordination, when you turn over, for example, to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, when Paul's writing to his apprentice Timothy, he says to him, Do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid hands on you. There was something about touch. I remember when I was ordained, both as a deacon and an elder, when I was ordained, you had both areas that you went through. And, and so when I was ordained by Bishop Jones, he always, when you knelt before him, placed his hands on your head firm enough, not squeezing, but firm enough for you to know he was touching you, that the church was laying a hand on your head when He ordained you to take thine authority to preach the gospel. There's something about that act of transmitting an emotion, a feeling, authority from one to another. You see it in commissioning, for example, in Acts chapter 13, when Saul and Barnabas are then commissioned in verse 3, then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. It's a sacred act. Now, when we think about touch today, we have to be a little careful and a little cautious and I want you to hear that. Touch is not everyone's love language. Not everyone appreciates being hugged by someone that's not their family or someone they're close to. A stranger or an acquaintance coming up offering a hug may not be appreciated. There are boundaries. People have personal space. You have to honor those. You have to recognize those. And sadly, sadly, we have talked about how due to human sin... Some people will use touch inappropriately. We have support groups that help people who've gone through the experience of inappropriate touch. So it can be delicate, and we have to understand that and be careful of that. And COVID then again took us to a time where there are many of us that are still afraid to be in proximity with each other, much less close enough that I can feel your presence, touch. But there is a ministry of touch, and there can be a sacred act to it. It's a ministry of presence and letting people know you're not alone. There are so many people in our world today that are lonely. Sometimes if someone's in a crisis, having someone just to hold their hand as they cry, just shares, you're not alone. You're not alone. Sometimes when we go visit someone in the hospital and 
and, and you know, they want to reach out and shake your hand when you come. But I find it interesting when I go, can I have a prayer with you? How often people will hold out a hand because there's something about, for some people, holding a hand to have that prayer. It says, we're not alone. When people are dying, oftentimes family members will make sure there's someone with them. And if you're in those sacred moments, you will often see that someone may have a hand on a shoulder, a hand on the forehead, just holding hands, a hand on the arm, holding a hand, whatever it may be, because we want the people that we love who are entering into the arms of God to know that they're not alone on the journey. We have greeters and ushers and other people when people come to the church. Sometimes that handshake or for some in our church, I know it's a fist bump, but it's still just an opportunity to know we're family. We're together. We're together. As you know, Mother Teresa was one of my most favorite people. I love to read about her, her commitment to God, her questioning of her faith. I find so refreshing and, cha and challenging as well. But her care for the poor was absolutely incredible. And Mother Teresa was willing to be with the poorest of the poor. She was willing to be with those who were so outcast. She was in ministry with actual lepers, with those who had AIDS, with those who were dying and struggling, and she would care for them. And one day, someone came up to Mother Teresa, and they were talking, and this person said to her, I wouldn't touch a leper for a million dollars. And Mother Teresa replied, Neither would I. If it were for the case of money, I wouldn't even do it for two million. On the other hand... I do it gladly for the love of God. Touch. It can be a delicate, challenging thing, but at the same time, it can be a sacred moment when we realize you're not alone. God is with you, and on behalf of God, I am with you. Close enough you can feel God's presence. Will you pray with me? God, we are so grateful that you are a God who is with us close enough that we can feel your presence. And oftentimes that closeness is through others. God, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit now. And God, we pray that all of your people would know they're never alone. You are always so close. We can feel your presence. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.